Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Gregory, how are we doing today? Doing quite well. I am wearing a collared shirt to show respect for our guests, but <laughs> denim to show my general rejection of societal norms. <laughs> now that is an opening, folks. I, and I was just about to say, hey, that's, a, that's one good looking shirt, Greg. Thank you. We use that in our family. By the way, I can't remember what show we or something we friend that we stole this from when the kids were young. We would say knocking to respect your privacy, but coming in anyway to reinforce my authority. <laughs> okay, we're going to dive deeper. It's a great it's parenting a, technique. It You're sounds welcome, like folks. it. Parenting one on one next week, yeah. eleven a.m. Join us. Supply chain parenting. <laughs> hey, we could learn a thing or two, but you know, I've got to represent the first place Atlanta Braves. We've got about two weeks or so to the season, two and a half weeks or so. And man, this playoffs, this expanded playoffs is going to be something else. So we'll see what, how much damage Atlanta can do in the playoffs. But nevertheless, Greg. You think there's anyone that can take them out? Seriously. I mean, barring um, an actual slump. I'm, hey, man, I'm worried. I'm worried about that middle relief in general. That's right. That's right. We'll see where, how it goes. So knock on wood. But what I'm not worried about, Greg is more quality conversations today with leaders that are out there making it happen, doing big things. We got two more here today, especially helping organizations to do more with less and doing it well, especially from a supply chain perspective. Greg, should be quite the conversation, huh? Yeah, it sure as heck will. I mean, <laughs> it's been like entrepreneur week. Like how do we enable companies to be better this week? So That's right. Really, I'm looking forward to this. How do we That's enable right. these companies? You know, Scott, you know how I feel. Maybe okay. you all know how I feel, but you can promise whatever you want in your marketing. You can drive sales however you want, but none of that matters if you don't deliver. That's right. So that's, right. that's what supply chain is all about, is delivering on the brand promise that you make to your customers. Uh, well said. And we're going to be talking a lot of that execution, that, that magical execution that allows companies to deliver on that brand promise. And folks, get ready. Beyond our guests and the brilliance you're going to hear from them and from Greg, we want to hear from you too. So drop your comments in the chat throughout the next hour. This is live as we are about 95% of the time, it feels like. But Greg, we got to get to work. Yeah. Let's see here. I want to welcome in our two distinguished guests today. One's a repeat guest. We had a lot of fun with Jim Brochu, General Manager, Supply Chain with Pivotry, a few weeks back on a, on, a, on a podcast with Constantine Oldino. And Jim is joined by Chad Hooker, Senior Vice President, Global Channel and Alliances with Fluent Commerce. Hey, Jim, welcome back. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. You bet. Great to have you back. And Chad, you're bringing friends and know-how. I've been there, done that leaders. Chad, great to meet you here today. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for letting me join. It's always good to hang out with my buddy, Jim. So really great to make new friends. Welcome aboard. Yeah, good to have you. That is right. So, folks, we're going to make everybody hungry for starters. Before we get into supply chain, a lot of talk about supply chain here today. We're going to make folks hungry because 
it is International Chocolate Day. International Chocolate Day. Now, did you know its roots, chocolate's roots, can be traced back some 4,000 years ago in present-day Mexico? And, of course, it's loved the world round. You might like milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate, whatever. I love all of it, except white chocolate. I'm not a big fan of white chocolate. But, nevertheless, with that said, and gentlemen, I'm going to start with you. Right? As I mentioned, we're going to make folks hungry. What is one of your favorite chocolate food stuffs? Yeah, so my favorite chocolate food, first I'll start off by saying it's my wife's birthday. So I kind of selected this one based on a bigger birthday and me traveling. So I've got to name her so I I get some credibility when I get back home. (laughs) But my wife is actually from Germany. Both my kids are dual citizens, U.S. and German. And my wife introduced me to these chocolate cakes. They're cake with orange filling and chocolate on top. Oh, yeah. Cakes. And to be honest, my wife has to order them special from Germany. She'll buy them a few boxes and they're really hard to get, but she has to actually hide them in my house now because if I find them, it's not that I eat one or two, it's boxes gone in, in a couple of minutes because they're just that good. Man. Okay. You got to hide that inventory. Jim, what okay, town is she from? Because there are some of those that are, they have a very unique recipe in certain cities in Germany. Yeah. She's from uh, Regensburg. Okay. Just Northeast of Munich. Yeah, of course. And what's her first name? Let's all wish her happy birthday. What's her yeah. first name? So I'm, I'm going to make her mad. It's Marlene, but it's okay. actually it's German, so it's pronounced Marlena. Oh, yeah. Happy, happy birthday, birthday one way and she hates it the other. <laughs> happy birthday, Marlena, wherever you are. Yeah. I hope you have a nice uh, dinner tonight or later this weekend. Okay. There's a song about her, isn't there? It's like one, two, three, Marlena, something like that. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. We're going to look that up. Chad Hooker. All right. So Jim set the, set the bar pretty high, right? Chad, you better mention your wife now. Right. So, so Chad, tell us your favorite chocolate food stuff. Yeah. Well, I was either thinking like, you know, Jim and I are extremely blessed because it's going to name the wife as well. That meaning that we've got uh, amazing spouses that we've been able to share our lives with, or we're just both trained very well. I don't know which one it is, but same for me. But mine's mine's on the custom side. My wife, we're from Texas originally. Myself, Amarillo, her Dallas, and she makes an amazing Texas sheet cake, which is. Not a super complex, uh, I would say, on her repertoire, but it's uh, definitely my favorite. And she's, she absolutely smashes it every time. In fact, she made it, uh, she made it again for, uh, recently uh, for a, a fantasy football party that we were at. And so everybody dove in, and it was, it was so good I was, that most people were not even wanting to put ice cream with it. They were taking it just the chocolate cake and pasta wow. cake. That, that says something, because Ola Mode makes any cake. But Greg... That's going to be between Jim and Chad. That's going to be tough to top, Greg. What's your favorite chocolate food stuff? Well, first, can I acknowledge his hometown? Because I'm from liberal Kansas, and the only thing to see in liberal Kansas, or my family's from liberal Kansas, is the lights of Amarillo. So we look over the horizon at the lights of Amarillo. There's not a tree between Amarillo and liberal Kansas, (laughs) not one. So howdy, neighbor. I'm going to have to say there's a, a particular ice cream store in the Midwest called Brahms, and they have a chocolate marshmallow ice cream. Mm. It is the best ice cream you will ever eat in your life. So, okay, I love it. That the marshmallow somehow really makes the chocolate even that much better. Okay, and having nice. grown up with a mom who was a chocolate and ice cream freak, I got <laughs> plenty of it. And <laughs> in fact, I just went and visited her in Wichita last week. I yeah, think she's lost and ate. To Jim's point, I ate one whole container of her chocolate marshmallow ice cream. Okay. From Brahms. Love it. Yeah. 
All right. I'm just going to add to the discussion. Y'all have already knocked it out, but Little Debbie's, I grew up with every oh, version man. of Little Debbie from, you know, the brownies used to not be cosmic brownies. They That's a new little twist. Back in the day, they had chopped walnuts on them. And I bet we ate those by the package, right? I think they came. Were they up. iced back then? Yeah, fudge on top but of that. No sprinkles or whatever. Oh no, no, no cosmic. No, yeah. now is where the cosmic comes from. So I'm a little, you know, fudge rounds, the brownies, the Swiss cake rolls, Star Crunch. Don't sleep on Star Crunch, but not so much anymore as an adult. It doesn't really. Fit not a moon pie fan. Diet. No, 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 no. Sorry, no. not to stereotype Southerners, but right. I've got to say I'm a little surprised. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. All right, folks, we've had a little fun talking about all kinds of delicious food stuff, chocolate stuff. I should just add in, Amanda says, Fanny Farmers, chocolate-covered s'mores bites, now an obsession in our house. You don't let our secrets out, Amanda. You can find that at Costco, but don't pick one up because you'll go back for like three more bags, and that's not good either. All right. We got to get to work, folks. We got a lot of stuff, good stuff to get into. Jim and Chad and their teams, but as I mentioned on the front end, they're doing big things out in the industry. So what I want to start, though, you know, let's level set. There's not enough context in this world, right? So I want to first level set, and we'll start with Jim for the three people out there that haven't heard of Pivotry. What does Pivotry do in a nutshell? Yeah, Scott. So essentially, like when a customer wants to find, buy, or get a product that they want, and they want to get it when and how they want, that's a frictionless commerce experience, right? And in a nutshell, Pivotry is really working on leading the charge into frictionless. We do that by just con combining the right people, right? Talented people, data yep. insights, and supply chain execution technology, um, including the one that we brought Chad on here to talk about today, into meaningful experiences. And we do that for more than 250 major global brands, uh, right? But it's more than just business for us. It's a passion. And we got into this space because, frankly, our customers were struggling to leverage their business technologies in value-added ways. And we think there's a real opportunity to be of service there. Love that, Jim. Love frictionless. And I love when big-time organizations bring some of their key partners to these conversations. And Chad, that brings us to you. So for the handful of folks that may not know about Fluent Commerce and your award-winning organization, as I see Forrester recently named as a strong performer, tell us what Fluent Commerce does. Yeah, so thanks. Despite our name, Fluent Commerce are actually not a commerce platform. We're a distributed order management platform operating in, in commerce and supply chain. And you may ask, what's a distributed order management? We basically see ourselves as a being either the back end of commerce, either that B2B, B2C experience, or the front end of supply chain from an inventory and planning. So we we we're all, we're, we we took the, the the fence on both sides of those worlds from a like feature function tech, how we do it, what we do. Effectively, we look at bringing in all sources of supply all across the, the network, whether that's warehouses, stores, 3PLs, dropship vendors, wherever, wherever that inventory sits, be able to bring in that inventory at scale, put an availability picture on top of that so that you can express that out to whatever, whatever selling channel might be out there. And then to, to, I think we were talking a little bit earlier about the promises that you make to customers. That, that's what we're doing. We're making those promises as when and where and how you're going to be able to get the that material. We then make that promise and that, that service itself up to, uh, could be a, a sales rep standing in front of their, in their customer's office with a tablet in their hand, making an order. Could be, could be somebody uh, either from a B2B or a B2C experience on the web, uh, mobile, whatever. Once they've identified what they want, then they add and create that order. We're then orchestrating that order and the fulfillment back out to all those sources of supply that I mentioned. And then communicating that back out to the customer as well as internally. If there's problems, if there's errors, if there's things that need to be addressed. And then once once that item gets there, 
should the customer not be 100% satisfied or doesn't, doesn't fit the bill, then we then orchestrate the return, getting that item back in the stock, return it to the vendor, disposal, whatever. And so we offer, we're a global brand headquartered in Australia, got sales operations and customers in APAC, EMEA, uh, as well as the Americas. So okay. Do everything for those of us in global roles to be up at all t- hours of the day to, to be talking to the team. And yeah, and we get the, uh, the honor of working with uh, Jim and his team as they're doing the implementations for us out there in the field, helping us innovate, drive, drive new things out there for our, our joint customers. Chad, I love that. Appreciate it. Greg, when you think about Pivotry and Fluent Commerce and how they're partnering together, moving mountains, what comes to your mind? Well, you had me a frictionless, you know that, Scott. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, <clears throat> the expectation of B2B is the same as the expectation of B2C these days. I want to know whether you got it. I want it to be easy to buy. I want you to get it to me on time, right? It ain't that hard, is it, Chad? Uh, but it, it, it's good to see this available for B2B and B2C environment because there are a lot of challenges out there. I was just thinking about the ability to see whether you have it. How right. a couple, three years ago, that was a differentiator. Now it's table stakes. Right. Right. Speed to confirm the order, right? All of that, all of those things that used to be differentiators are now table stakes. And to be able to facilitate that, gosh, we haven't said this in a long time, right? The kind of solutions that are ABA, what I call ABA, anyone but Amazon, that'll enable you to compete with a juggernaut like that. They're freeing, literally freeing, right? and empowering the companies that want to control their own destiny. Right. That's the, to me, that's the critical link here. And you're right. We have not said ABA in a long time. That just took yeah. me back. That took me back to probably. our earliest of days. Yeah, probably pre-pandemic. Right? Probably so. Probably so. Okay. So, folks, if you can't tell, there's a ton of expertise on today's conversation. I'm just going to add one more thing before we pick Jim and Chad's brain in terms of what leaders are struggling with out there. Because you've gotten a kind of sense of who Jim and Chad are, right, and organizations and what they do. But what you don't know that we found out in the green room is that Chad and his family are in the motocross and supercross and they ride motorcycles, right? And Jim, of course, is now a certified Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So what that means is they Mm. can, if you mess with them, they'll ride you down and beat you up. So don't (laughs) mess with Chad and Jim. Okay, folks? So plug on Superman's kitty. (laughs) Right, right, right. We had a lot of fun with that Jim Croce song. All right. So let's get into a little more context on the front end, right? Tons of organizations are struggling. Tons of leaders are struggling. You know, Greg, you, you made um, a great point there that we've talked about a lot about. While visibility is table stakes, plenty of organizations are still struggling with that. So where I want to start with Jim is what are, in your perspective, with the conversations you're having out there with customers and partners and out in the market, what are business leaders in, uh, out in the industry struggling with right now? Yeah, uh, I'll answer that. But first, I've, I've got to highlight, Scott, you just painted a very vivid image in my head. <laughs> Of me rolling up in my jujitsu gi on the back of Chad's motorcycle. There you go. Jumping off. Man, so it's action pictures. Yeah. Disturbing image at, the, at this point. But uh, no, I, I think that the question of what business leaders are struggling with, it's not really a new question. I don't think that the, the problem points are really new either. Right, guys? So everybody in supply chain recently lived the reality of kind of the what now generation mm. supply chain, right? Where disruption wasn't an exception. It was the norm and global business wasn't ready for it. And and everybody kind of paid the price, right? Everything, demand was volatile. Talent and labor was kind of hard to get, still is hard to get in some places and costs were going up. 
Uh, last time we, we, we were on your podcast, I, I took what is maybe a controversial stance that I think global supply chain has kind of reached a, a relatively stable place, but that it was mm. really difficult to get here. And given that the U.S. is kind of right now battling Hurricane Lee, I think the analogy that I like right now is people aren't sure if we're in the eye of the storm or if we're just getting ready to prepare for the next one. Mm. But either way, I think we're at a really pivotal point for supply chain organizations where they need to make the right investments in agile and resilient supply chains so that they can be ready for the next storm or the tail end of this, right? Yes. And, and I think Chad and his team uh, over at Fluent Commerce are a great example of applied technology and architecture um, that enables companies to become more agile and resilient by design and gives them more flexibility once those winds start to blow. Jim, well said. Really quick, Greg, your quick response. I like that storm analogy. Your quick response to what Jim just shared there, Greg. Yeah, well, I mean, Jim, you have to remember we're in supply chain. So unless it's a storm or unless it's a catastrophe, we don't even think of it as disruption, but it's <laughs> happening all the time. I, I think that's important for the casual observer or supply chain enthusiast to understand is there's never not some sort of disruption going on. It's just a matter of whether it's a catastrophic disruption or one that can't be predicted. So um, understand that Jim and Chad, Scott and I have high pain tolerance in this regard, but it is something that is a risk every single day of your business. So you have to be aware of that. And of course, agility is critical for that. And resilience just means you don't fall over when the wind blows. <laughs> oh, well said. All right, Chad. That's good. Man, we're getting out of the gate strong here. Chad, what are you seeing out business leaders out there struggling with? I'm struggling with right now. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with Jim over the years, and the, this is the first time that it's come to mind of a, like a dumb and dumber kind of uh, vibe with him on the back of the motorcycle and his jujitsu. I like, like that even more than a dirt bike, a mini bike. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that one's a new one for me, but uh, and, and that'll be a tough one to get out. Uh, but, you know, yeah. as, as Jim mentioned, right? I mean, it, Everything that's happened over the last few years exposed cracks um, in systems and processes. Um, and a lot of those cracks in systems and processes were built into systems that are 30 years old with lots of assumptions baked in over time out of what was going on at, at, during the time that uh, those assumptions were being baked in. And as you mentioned, like when it tipped over strong and nobody wants to get caught in that again. So we're seeing a lot of folks wanting to, wanting, trying to figure out what's out there tech-wise, process-wise. Uh, bringing in you know folks like like Jim and his team to come help sort out what's uh, what what is new and what can what can be addressed and we're seeing a lot of those try to figure that out because they might have spent you know tens of tens thousands hundreds thousands millions of dollars in these systems over over time so it's hard to it's hard to just do a quick pivot and, and turn on those so they're looking for ways that they can get good innovation at a reasonable cost and be able to do and innovate without having to do large scale wholesale replacements and because you know the and also looking at those systems that they have, there's it's hard to then find talent that that can do it. It's hard to find budget to, to get that done. So you know we're constantly trying to figure out ways that that our tech and how we can help them augment and change and, and innovate and be ready and be nimble, such that those you know 30, 30 year old systems with concrete poured over them don't have to have to pivot on a dime again. Chad, yes, we're going to dive a lot more into the need for being nimble later in the show. But Greg, out of all that Chad shared there, what what's one thing that folks got to really take away here? Well, I mean, we did. We hit an inflection point with old technology and Chad, to your point, and old viewpoints on supply chain, Scott. We see it every day. People 
I don't know what to say, whining about the fact that we didn't have visibility for 30 years and then celebrating that we have visibility in certain industries when that visibility has been available for literally decades in other industries and is table stakes, not differentiation, right? The execution aspect that we're talking about here is what's really critical. Take that visibility and turn it into action and or turn it into comfort in the supply chain. Because one of the most important misnomers of supply chain is that it's a cost-saving exercise. Right. It is a risk-balancing exercise, and cost is just one of the risks in supply chain. Resiliency, agility, speed, you know, reliability, however you want to call it, all of those things are critical, and it's a constant balancing act. Here comes my favorite term, Scott. Ready? Ready. You got um, me earlier. I was little... Analytics. It is the biggest puzzle on the planet, supply chain is. It is really an ecosystem where butterfly flaps its wings over here, tidal wave hits Tokyo mm. kind of thing, right? So you've got to understand that while, as we said, we're all sitting here maybe a little bit cavalier about the risks that we face every day because that level of risk has become so ingrained in our being that we just accept it as the norm. But there are real catastrophic risks out there threatening supply chains every day and mm. building that stability and agility in is so critical and did well, i mention frictionlessness that's the place to be i love i just love that i just think that the generations that are coming into supply chain and those of us who are enlightened enough to recognize that supply chain has to change which clearly chad you and jim are we've recognized that the easier it is mm. the better it goes Right. Yes. All right. So you got me choked up earlier, Greg. You're making your comments were just hitting me in, in my heart. You got me choked up a little bit. All right. So let's let's talk about reevaluation. Well, hang on, really quick. Let's say a little bit. Hey, Gino, great to see you. And hey, Red Nineteen, Red Nineteen, bet the farm on Red Nineteen. Hello, Gino, tuned in from Vegas. Say Red Eighteen. Say Red Eighteen. Safe travels uh, to you. All right, so reevaluation, reevaluating your current supply chain technology platforms. A lot of organizations are doing that just now. As, as Greg and Chad pointed out, the dinosaurs of the years past, can, it, can they take you where you're, we need to go now? I don't know. So mitigating risk, reducing IT capital spend, trying to do more with less. So Chad, we'll start with you here. What are you seeing leading or leading organizations doing in this regard? Uh, yeah, I think expand a little bit on what Greg was saying, right? It's, you know, cost is, cost is a part of that, that risk equation. And we're definitely, we're definitely seeing folks, you know, term that we, we use quite often is sweat out those investments a little bit longer. Maybe it's, maybe it's sweat out the investment in the, the old legacy ERP they had. Maybe it's a sweat out of the, the old legacy commerce platform that they had and be able to not have to just drop and, and start all over and jump back into a massive three, four-year ERP or massive monolithic commerce implement replatforming, mm. uh, but, but find ways to innovate around that. And so, you know, I guess one, one of the things that we've seen, uh, we start seeing customers come to us saying, look, you know, Greg was saying, like, we've got an inventory problem. And it, I would say now, like, that that fulfillment inventory, that's the new battleground of experience. Because mm. if you've got an inventory problem, you've got a visibility problem, you have a customer experience problem. And so we started seeing customers come to us saying, hey, we've got this, we got an inventory problem. We've got it scattered all over. We don't have a good way of harmonizing that, providing that availability out so that we can effectively be selling. And by the time that all of those bits of inventory make its way back into some old monolithic ERP system, 
being able to, to get all of that synthesized and then pushed out. Now that data is a lie. Life's moved on. You're promising against things that are likely not there because things change by the time that data passed around. And so, you know, in those situations, people live kind of in two different, two different worlds. They either live offensively where they create lots of safety stock and they're worried things change and then they're sitting on stock that, that they were holding back. Or you live defensively, I guess, maybe, and you live in fear that you're overselling. And where we started seeing customers come to us that is that surprisingly, especially on the B2B side, we were seeing people saying that they had like upwards of 25% of cancellations, um, which is a massive amount uh, because of overselling and not being able to actually fulfill that promise. So not only did you blow up with that customer at that time, but you're not going to get them back. Um, mm. They're having to shop you and move you around. Um, so we, you know, for, for us, we, we, uh, uh, we saw this need created what we call fluent big inventory where we can mass that, that massive amount of data be able to synthesize that, process it efficiently, and then put an availability picture on it so that we can so that we can push it out. And uh, and that and that's just kind of one of the ways that we've seen like customers asking us, say we've got a very specific problem. How right. can we solve that very specific problem? And then start building tomorrow while on that and then start innovating and, and retiring other bits of the tech um, out there in the ecosystem that tipped over in those last few years. Yes. Hey really quick you touched on the importance of inventory visibility. And the whole world needs that, except if your name is Marlena and you're trying to hide chocolate and not give folks visibility into your chocolate inventory, I believe. All right. So, but Jim, let's keep going. Chad has a, a solution that could help her with right. that. Right. <laughs> Jim and Chad would still be friends if he did that. Right. <laughs> so Jim, I'll, I'll get, get you to piggyback on some of the things that Chad shared there. And then we're going to circle back and get Greg's comments. But Jim, same question, doing more with less. What are you seeing folks do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Chad hit the nail on the head relative to inventory visibility and the need for control control of inventory and operations. But I, I think, Greg, you were heading in a really nice direction talking about how it needs to be easy, right? Intuitive, part of your DNA. And I think that's really the difference, right? The difference between good and good enough is massive. It's huge. And I think the pivotal point that most organizations are focusing on, another area that Greg touched on, is getting insights and visibility when they need it, which is generally before things start to go off the rails, but also having tools in their tool set, like Fluence inventory controls with multiple strategies, you can deploy inventory, uh, point solutions, point problems, having those available and ready to deploy at a moment's notice, right? I think all too often, if you have good analytics, you identify, I need a, a three-year ERP project. It's going to cost me $5 million and it's going to get me this little incremental improvement. I think that most IT organizations are starting to think quite differently about their business, right? They're thinking, hey, I need real-time visibility into inventory is one component, mm. but actually into my operations and, and those things. And the traditional model of massive data lakes with KPIs that my business tells me what they are, that's struggling a little bit to keep up with the pace of change, right? They want to know things like, how is my store operations running right now? Are my orders overloading? Are my orders being promised to one warehouse? And I'm going to have a labor or an overtime cost issue this week. And I, I, I won't know it until after I get the bill, right? So I, I think organizations are struggling to get down to those practical questions from real operational data. And I, I think that's one of the major areas that I see them focusing right now. Now, again, that visibility, that level of modeling and, and, and control, it's only helpful if you have a lever that can impact, right? And that's why Pivotry is focused on the visibility and the suite of applications that can impact supply chain problems wherever they live. And Fluent OMS and, and their inventory modules are a major part of that strategy because they're so easy to implement. 
They have such uh, robust strategies. If, if today I need to focus on markdown avoidance because I've got a bunch of snow shovels and summer's coming, I can I can shift and do that. And if, if I've got other strategies that I need to apply tomorrow, I can do that as well based on what my business and my data and KPIs are telling me. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're seeing a lot of organizations focusing right now. And Greg, you said it right. Industries like automotive, manufacturing have had deep analytics and, and KPIs and, and end-to-end visibility for a long time. Organizations or companies like retail, a lot of B2B companies, especially if they're trying to go direct to consumer, they don't have the KPIs or the, the access to the data. And frankly, they don't know what good looks like from, mm-hmm. from what we'd be measuring. Right. And they're, they're making it up as they go along. We want to help them jump the queue there and know what they should be monitoring when it's on or off and what to do about it. Mm, okay, man, a, a, a big theme there, Jim, again, was the critical need to be nimble amongst other things you shared there, Jim. Greg, they referenced some things you should, you said several times in Chad and Jim's response, your thoughts about doing more with less, Greg. Well, the first, the first thought I have is if you're listening to this recorded, rewind this section. And go back to the start of what Chad was saying and listen to that over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Because the, enunci- the thing that gets clearly enunciated here from my perspective is that the legacy, archaic solutions of yesteryear are not going to get you there. And that's absolutely been proven. First of all, they were, as Jim just spoke to, they were engineered in a time when we had a dearth of data when we had low expectations, we had no specialization in supply chain, and it was things like batch overnight processes of data. So the by the end of the day, the inventory you're looking at is yesterday's inventory, not counting what was sold today, things mm-hmm. like that, right? Then you have min-maxes and some of these ancient techniques. And you have to realize these most of these ERP technologies still have Fortran code. I don't even know what Fortran code is, but I know that it's from the 50s, and that's all you need to know. So uh, what we're seeing is, and there's so much to address, which is why I said rewind, but there's so much to address. But the things that jumped out at me was people are starting to sort of kernelize their transactional systems because that's what they're good at. ERPs are really finance systems with a few shallow branches off to the side that attack some specialty areas. And then if you can kernelize those systems and just kind of isolate them and use them for the data processing and transaction processing that they're so good at, and then feed that data to more timely and frankly, modern and deep solutions, just the way Jim talks about it so matter-of-factly, I think that's one of the areas you want to listen to again. That description that he Mm. said just so matter-of-factly as if it is just something you do every day. That's the difference between these types of solutions, these specialized supply chain solutions and ERP solutions. Please, 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 please buy ERP yes. from ERP vendors, buy supply chain technologies from supply chain technology vendors, right? Um, it's worth it to go that deep, right? ERPs are, are a mile wide and an inch deep. These kinds of technologies that we're talking about today are a mile deep. Mm. You can layer them right, and companies are doing it over and over and over again. You can layer them right on top of that ERP. And I can't remember Chad or Jim who made this point. Don't feel compelled to pull out that ERP. Just kernelize it to what it does best and stack specialized technologies on top of it to solve those problems. Well said. Man, tons of passion and been there, done that know-how. 
on today's, and we're halfway through. So Chad, we're going to have to hit that throttle and pick up the pace a little bit. We've got a lot more to get through here today, talking about uh, a lot of groups out there, a lot of leading groups out there, supply chain leaders building integrated ecosystems to drive operational excellence, good old OPEX, and transformative outcomes, results. Otherwise, why do you do it? So Jim, start with you. What are you seeing along these lines? Yeah, before I get to that, I just want to be fully transparent. I didn't ask him to, to, to make the comment. Keith is on the Pivotry team. Um, he's one of my retail executives, so he's got the real lived-in experience. So thanks, Keith. It's a good, good comment. So I, I think, Greg, when we talk about the ecosystems approach, you kind of hit on a, a concept, right? Layering in solutions, kind of going back mm. to uh, the sheet cake that Chad's wife mentioned earlier, right? More <laughs> that. Yes. But, but it's a good analogy because if, you're, if your need right now is a really deep, rich, chocolatey, satisfying sheet cake and you don't want the ice cream, don't get the ice cream. You don't need the ice cream. But with these smaller point solutions, what you're able to do is add the ice cream when you want the ice cream and need the ice cream. Add the sprinkles, add the chocolate sauce. Whereas with an ERP, you're right, Craig, it's kind of an off the shelf. You know, you go to Dairy Queen and they hand you a thing and it's got all this stuff on it. But it's never going to beat the homemade homemade sheet cake for quality, depth, and, and mm. those things, right? And here's the thing. I really believe in this ecosystem model, this open integrated systems model. And the analogy I like to use is essentially two great cities, Boston and New York, right? They're both wonderful places to be, both fantastic cities. But in New York, if you know the destination, you can get there, right? It's easy because, you know, it's really easy because it's set up in a grid system, well, well set up and very easy to get from A to B. Whereas in Boston, sometimes you can see your destination and you can't get there, mm-hmm. right? I think these legacy architectures are a lot like Boston. You can see your destination, but you've got to pay back all this technical debt that you've built over years, decades, sometimes even multiple decades, depending on the organization, before you can even start doing what you're doing. I think the, the, the modern ecosystem really is moving in the direction of intentional architecture that makes it a lot easier to get around and navigate to where you need to be. Right. So it's really an infrastructural approach to a traditional problem. And then I, I hate to be a broken record. Well, the danger with this, this distributed approach for deep capabilities is loss of visibility, right? Because you're, you're no longer necessarily relying on one data platform, one, one system like a traditional ERP to do everything. Companies can't lose sight of, of getting that visibility in a composable world. And a composable architecture is that well planned city, but the, the, uh, visibility is really the planning and the orchestration that happens to make sure that the, the snow plows are running, the buses are on time, all that stuff, right? Orchestration. And y'all can't see this, but behind the scenes, and Amanda and Catherine, thanks for helping to make uh, the show happen today. Amanda says, that chocolate cake analogy, chef's kiss, Jim. So she loved, loved that where you started with the sheet cake. All right, all right I'm going to get Greg away in just a second. But Chad, speak to this ecosystem and, and what folk, how folks are leveraging that out there. No, yeah, for sure. I think while we did all agree that, you know, Jim's got the best hair in supply chain, <laughs> we've all been through uh, many cycles of this. And, uh, and I feel like we're kind of in the same parallel universe we were like in the 90s, 2000s commerce, where the commerce platforms at that time were a drop of all kinds of capabilities, just like the ERP, right? And in commerce, the commerce platform was content, search, PIM, cart, checkout, had the whole kit. All of that, all of that was all that was that was broken down, and now we're seeing that on the supply chain side, and being able, just as you said, that uh, being able to layer in and put the build that ecosystem with intent. I think using wow, using Jim's word, purpose built for your needs, not what the ERP vendor said you needed to do a mile wide and, and an inch deep kind of thing. And I think for the commerce side of the world, what started out on what was turned mock, 
was a kind of a design principle or a, di- a design philosophy amongst mm-hmm. systems where if a system adhered to microservices, API first, cloud, and headless as a principle, that, mm-hmm. that gave customers the ability to compose those ecosystems of intent. And it gave, and, it, and then it, it, it gives the, them the ability to, to identify what they need. And we see that next kind of next rev of innovation um, from a mock and composable that lived in the, in the commerce world now floating back into the, in the supply chain world. And I think, you know, as Jim has mentioned, I think that the, what I've always said in this is that for us, being a mock platform, being able to adhere to those principles and be able to provide our piece into that ecosystem, we still need strong folks like Jim and his team that know the industry, know the platforms, know the customers so that they can pull this together and build that ecosystem of intent versus just the, the ERP or the monolithic commerce platform that got dropped. Mm. All right. Ecosystem of intent. I love how you put that there, Chad. Greg, weigh in on what we've talked about, these ecosystems that Jim and Chad are are talking about and how that's being leveraged here in 2023 and beyond. Your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, I want to address something that's being subtly implied here. And that is that this is about the way that Jim and Chad are talking about this. This is about a people, a process, and a technology change. And it Mm -hmm. is enablement of better processes and uplifting of your people with technology, right? This is not, nobody's pointing and saying technology is the solution here. It's this collection of data gathering, of data management, of solution and outcome production that is tied to the business processes and the people that support your business to be effective. And I think that's an important thing to say here. When we talk about an ecosystem, I think we have to think about it from that perspective. And it's easy to get lost in it when you're just sort of listening to this while doing while doing the treadmill, Steve Keaveny. And he's going to be doing he's or memory mathema or whoever else is out there exercising while you do this. I want to make sure that we do highlight that because there, nobody is here saying, just plug this junk in and magic happen, right? What we're saying is this is a powerful augmentation and a powerful level of enablement of the processes, the sound processes, business methodologies, and people and and skills that you need to apply to make your business more effective. But what it does provide, I'm going to go right back to the F word, what it does provide is that frictionless capability to enhance those processes and enhance and accelerate those outcomes. And goodness knows, supply chain, retail, we all need less friction in our lives, both at the office and at home, right? We all need more F words in our lives. Actually, probably people in retail probably don't need more F words in their lives. I have a feeling. I agree with you. From experience that you need (laughs) one of them. All right. So we're going to now shift gears and we're going to go through three specific areas of a little finer point on parts of this conversation. So we're going to start, Chad with composability and of course being nimble, the importance of composability. And I feel like there's a word beyond nimble. I want to say something like nimble T, but that's not a word. There's got to be something there. Anyway, talk to us more about how important those two things are. Yeah, well, maybe maybe I'll take the end of what you're saying. The the last few letters, how about agility? Maybe that... We'll go with that. Well, but like, you know, I think just as we were saying is that that there was never a, a customer that fit the mold exactly of the large systems, right? And so then customers were only left with the choice of build 100% from scratch or 
buy overbuy on a ton of tech they didn't need. In the composable world, because of the friction, we're going to keep using that one, but because of the friction that was put on the buyers of that software and the implementation teams trying to force fit that, we landed at the world of composability. And it's and it really gives really gives brands, manufacturers, retailers the options to build that 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 ecosystem of intent. And it's and it whenever you have those pieces that are composed and are separate from each other, you can innovate and make change that doesn't break across the across all bounds. And you get away from those kind of those traditional mindsets of, well, we're gonna plan for a year and then we're gonna develop for a year and then we're gonna test for a year. And then everything that we put in is all going to be out of date because the business has changed since it took us so long to get there. Being able to have those disparate uh, areas of responsibility gives you the ability to innovate and grow and change and adapt to what's going on in the market and not have to get back into that, that long cycle of the hamster wheel of, of getting checked out in the ecosystem. Mm. All right. So, Greg, I want to get your comment here. And I love that innovate, change, uh, innovate grow, change, adapt for key phases of any business. Greg? Weigh in on what Chad talked about there. Yeah, well, I mean, I hate to sound cliche, but it it's so true, and especially now, adapt or die, right? I mean, mm. that's that's how we've survived, people. Um, so, I mean, I think we should just consider that a mantra. And I think, and I agree. By the way, Jim, I agree with your original precept that there is much, much more stability in supply chain than there was during the Great Societal Disruption right? Caused by our response to COVID of basically shutting down the entire labor force on an entire planet all at once. I mean, there's no way for that not to be disruptive. And there's also no way for that not to be lingering. But we are, at least in the state of Georgia, we are back to full. And by that, I mean, very full employment. We have more jobs open than we have people to fill them in this. At, At the same time, we have an incredible generational transformation going on as baby boomers continue to leave the workforce and did in even greater measure than they were before the pandemic which was 10,000 a day by a measure of 3.1 extra million people leaving the workforce in 2021 we continue to see that and we it is accelerating this notion of the way that we do things like innovate and the way that we do things like conduct processes within companies because Look, let's face it, Gen X, Y, and Z were all brought up to expect technology to do technology things. And where it seems like we went, and I don't know if you guys are seeing the ripple effects of this, but it seems like we went from, we actually denied the abilities of technology for, I believe, decades because we were saving jobs of people who wanted to do the dark, dirty, dangerous, and dull jobs. And now nobody wants those jobs. It's been proven over and over again as people stay away in droves from jobs like that. And not just jobs like that, but even just segments of jobs that they know can be done by a technology so that they can use what is a human being's greatest attribute, which is critical thinking with inadequate data with high stakes decision. So I think we're going to start to see this acceleration that you've both talked about continue to accelerate and the companies that don't innovate and adapt will die. Mm. All right. Finishing on an optimistic note there, Greg. It's uh, real, man. Yeah, I, I'm with <laughs> you. I'm with you. Hey, really quick, for the sake of time, I want to move us ahead to this next point about going back to what Jim said. 
the difference between good and good enough is what is still between my ears. So the need for best in breed supply chain execution platforms. We're going to touch on this via two main topics here. Starting Chad with order management system, OMS. If you take, what's your take there on the need for companies to really embrace the right platform there from an OMS standpoint? Yeah, and I think yeah, it's a good question. I think in, this kind of encapsulates a little bit, I guess, maybe of what we talked about in that some folks may say, yeah, hey, my 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 ERP does order management. Yeah, and to, to some extent, that's true. It understands inventory. It has customers. It, it, it understands how to work, where orders are shipped from. But it was never, those, as we talked about, those systems were never designed for the the need of agility, speed, and adaptation, or they were never designed for the kind of the chattiness or the the speed of which consumer or cust- your customers would be coming after you from a digital perspective versus just maybe an EDI or a fax coming in, whatever, right? Uh, and so all that kind of broke down. And then some folks might say, I guess, uh, from a best of breed perspective, my commerce platform does order management. And to some extent, that's true. You can call in maybe a call center and somebody goes into the commerce platform and can change the ship date or cancel an order. Yeah, that's managing an order, but that's not distributor management. It, and you might be able to get away with, say, managing you know 10 or so locations from an inventory perspective. But once that once it grows out beside that, you can no longer just use, well, what's the closest ship node to the customer to send it to? You've got to be able to make better intelligent decisions on the availability and on the promise. And without having a, a, a true platform made to do that, you, you're just never going to be able to make those kind of bets on what you can do with your customers and be able to serve them in the way that they want to be served. Yes. Technically, I could pitch for the Braves in the playoffs, but that's probably not what you want. You have an arm. Your point. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, Jim, let's keep that conversation going. Best in breed supply chain execution platforms. Let's talk about warehouse management systems, WMS. Your thoughts, Jim? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked so much about composability and kind of this, this agility concept. But when I look at traditional warehouse management, the capabilities are way behind most of the other areas of supply chain execution, right? Way behind order management and others. In order to solve a point problem in a warehouse, right? On most platforms, which is almost all the platforms, you either need to upgrade, which is not an upgrade. It's a massive, massive IT project, or it's a rip and replace, right? And the ability to stitch in composable solutions, that more modern capability, it's existed a little bit in other domains for a while. Warehousing is definitely lagging. And we think that's a big opportunity space. So Pivotry has actually reimagined the warehouse as a set of discrete microservices that when together is a complete warehouse platform, but when separate is discrete capabilities. And if you can imagine, like if you're an automotive spare parts company in B2B and you want to light up a new direct-to-consumer channel, the, and the barrier to, to just opening up a new channel is that you need to implement an entirely new warehouse management platform that's capable of shipping parcel because you can only support full truckload and pallets, right? That's a massive cost to run effectively an experiment for your business, right? It's crazy. And we see a better, a better solution where, hey, you might be able to leverage our waving and our outbound pick, my, pick and pack microservices discreetly to put that right on top of your platform get to market more quickly, test the theory. And our other bet is honestly, you're going to like those so much that you're going to want to light up the rest of the, the microservices to support the rest of your business, mm-hmm. right? And, and the benefit you get there is you, you don't enter a multi-year capital intensive project. You get to market more quickly. And if it doesn't work, you pull them out, right? It's, it's a much easier, lighter model and, and a better way of doing business. And that's, that's Pivotry WMS. And I, I want to highlight that this is a platform our team has been supporting warehouses for major brands, 3PL, warehousing, manufacturing, 
retail and B2B for over a decade now. We've taken all those learnings and distilled them into best of breed microservices that can do everything that the big guys, the Manhattan ShadyAs can do. We can do it better. We can do it in smaller chunks and we can do it quicker, more quickly. Love that. And Greg, I'm going to bring you in on the next point. I'd love to get you way in there on one of the things Jim's talking about, making smart bets. But let's move on for the sake of time to supply chain and execution visibility, right? Specifically leveraging control tower. Jim, speak to us about that. Yeah, this is another example of Pivotry putting our money where our mouth is. We were working on platforms like Fluent, like Pivotry's WMS. And what we saw was all of the reporting and analytics were trailing projects that either they didn't happen or they delivered subpar results, right? Businesses measuring things that were sales the next day and other things. So we took it upon ourselves to build a best of breed analytics platform that takes your real-time data from your operational systems, crunches the numbers and takes industry experts like Keith who commented earlier to present you with retail, click and collect, store, warehouse uh, metrics that are meaningful to drive your business, right? So if, if we see that your picking and packing is too slow, those metrics are at the point that you consume them. And they're presented by your analytics platform right in the WMS. If you're uh, implementing a click and collect solution because you want to enter a new market in a smaller geo on, on Fluent Order Management, you need to know how that's going. You need to know how that's going while you're doing it, not after you've run the project and after you've made a bunch of customers mad and launched them onto Facebook, right? So that, that's what we're aimed at. And, and I would say we're seeing some, some uh, success there because we picked the right technologies. And frankly, we picked the right partners who are, who are doing supply chain execution well, partners like Fluent Commerce. Mm. All right, so Greg, give me your brisk, brisk reaction to that, and then we're gonna we're gonna paint uh, a bright future because there's a lot of big things to come between these two organizations. Your comment there, Greg. Composability is the key. I mean, look, you have one problem at a time. You often can't see through that to the next problem until you've solved it. And very often, it starts with something really transactional and really sim- simple, which is why WMS is the largest selling technology in supply chain technology, right? There are many, many more WMS um, sales of technology than any other product in supply chains. But that's what makes that as a hurdle is what has stalled so many companies from getting it. Honestly, that was a little bit of a revelation, Jim, to think of it that way. That big lift of that gigantic technology that is really only operates within the four walls of the warehouse is the big lift to getting companies to the ability to to get online or e-commerce or whatever you want to call it. So that, that and the other thing is that there is re- this universal notion whenever you implement technology, solve the smallest, most proximate, most painful solution first. Hmm. Because what I've experienced in, Scott, thousands and thousands of right. technology implementations is... You you might try to sell them a big old solution, but all they still really care about, and frankly, we've all learned the hard way if we've sold technology, all they really want to pay for is solving that problem that gives them the most pain today. Right. So if you can deliver it that way, that's beneficial to both the client and to the technology company to have less overhead for supporting a customer for one single problem. You get them past that problem, they mature a bit in their operations or their ability to to evolve and you take them to the next one, you solve that piece at a time until you get them to a composed solution. Well said, well said. And I, what I'm buying is Chad driving that ATV and Jim on the back ready to kick some butt. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have an image. Next time y'all join us, 
we're going to have an image of uh, uh, sure you an image a sword, to share. A ninja sword too. I know. You can. Yes. That's the right. That's not the right <laughs> reference. The ninja sword is pretty cool. Right. Um, talking about things are pretty cool, Greg. Perfect segue. Yeah. Because all the Thank cool you. things y'all have done already together, Jim and Chad, and your respective organizations, I think there's some big news on the horizon for where Pivotry and Fluent Commerce, where they're going next to address some of those opportunities that Greg just shared. So let's start with you, Chad. Simple question. What's next? Yes, I think the SaaS organization and built on innovation, we've got quite a bit on the horizon. A few things that I'm most, I'd say, interested and exciting is sits in a couple of different, a couple of different buckets. We, you know, if we look at, say, like the back end coming to the front end, we, from a back end perspective, Fluence is an event based architecture. So that means it's churning, it's doing its thing, and it's generating lots of data about what's going on. And that could be the basics of, item inventory order, but it also captures a lot about intent about around inventory and about uh, the asks of inventory and, and then other things. And so what we've been, what we're what kind of on the horizon for that is now that we've you know, got this mass of data, being able to share that out to other technology partners that can really synthesize that data from intent and so forth. But also on the product side, being able to use machine learning to optimize things, say like maybe the sourcing logic, or maybe even those that, that safety stock that we talked about a minute ago. We could look into that the intent as well as those demand signals to alert or correct those safety stocks to reduce spoilage of the markdowns. I think that Greg was speaking about. Um, and we're, you know, for us, selfishly, we have some really joint, amazing clients with Pivotry um, that are that are really doing some amazing stuff. So we're doing some really cool innovation with them around AI and ML and really driving the the, the, the ball forward there. And then on the selling side, you know, I talked about like how we were able to like take the inventory ingestion processing and surfacing. And what we're finding is it's like one of those things that if you didn't know that there, if you didn't know you could do it, you didn't know there was a need. And once we were able to bring that kind of data forward, we're starting to see quite a bit of uses of that really correct, say, correct in real time inventory information so that you can see and realize that further up in the selling channel. So maybe in search. So you're actually returning search results that actually you actually have inventory merchandising personalizing, you're recommending an, an item that you actually have, or even being able to surface all that all the way back out to even like Google ads and something like that, so that you're promoting the items that you actually have in stock and, and not getting the, a really starting off a really bad experience with the customer by advertising something that they click through on and they can't have. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's obviously for me, there's a lot of cool things on the horizon, a lot of fun stuff that we're doing with, with Pivotry in a space that I love. So it's, it's like I said, it's an exciting time for all of us. Awesome. None of that's probably powered by Fortran is my hunch. To Greg's earlier comment. All right. So, Jim, tell us a comment. I mean, that, that's quite a picture Chad just painted, and we're right up against uh, our time here. But your comment on the bright future ahead. So, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the how than the what, right? So, Pivotry has gotten to the level of trust that we have with our customers and the level of technology capability that we have and, and the partners that we have by listening to our customers, right? By having conversations, understanding their real world needs seeing what's coming up, coming in the industry. One of the interesting things that's falling out of our visibility platform is we're now able to listen directly to our customers' business models and their data itself, right? And let that inform the problems that we pull forward and go to solve. So I expect that we'll be spending a lot more time listening, not just to our customers, although that's still going to be a critical part of what we do, but listening to the insights from the data and the metadata behind it and helping our customers get ahead of the decisions they don't even know they need to make yet. Right. Mm. We're going to continue framing that within within a broader strategy. And and Greg, you know that on the head, right? We can't do that without having the right people, having the right processes. And fundamentally, the technology is a major part of that equation 
with platforms like Fluent, Fluent Order Management, like Pivotry WMS, like our Control Tower, and a dozen other platforms that embed AI and all and other things in them. We're really excited about the future for our customers in the aggregate in this data and customer-driven world. Well said. As, you're, as you were talking, you and Chad both really thought it comes on mind. Someone a lot smarter than me once said, uh, give me good news fast and bad news faster. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have access to those meaningful metrics and data points you're talking about, be able to make better decisions faster. That's a big part of this game. Greg, before we make sure folks know how to connect with Jim and with Chad, in terms of what's next or in terms of what we've covered this last hour, if folks had to focus in, it's a lot, a lot to choose from, but on one thing, Greg, what do folks have to leave this conversation thinking front and center? You don't need a new ERP to radically improve your supply chain performance. Mm. In fact, mm. ERP is your fi- is the last solution you should be looking for to do okay. that. These kind of specialized solutions, and especially those that are composable like this, can get you there cost-effectively, rapidly, and yet you can have the comfort that you'll have a complete solution to well-thought-out, in a well-thought-out manner, to complete problems over time. Well said. Well said. We're going to put all that on the back of a t-shirt, Greg, and sell a whole bunch of them. Better be a double XL. (laughs) Okay, really quick, folks. Jim, let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and the Pivotry team. Yeah, so with me directly, I am on LinkedIn, James Brosha. You can also see our URL in my little tagline there, pivotry.com, james.brosha at pivotry.com. You can reach out directly, and our website is pivotry.com. You can reach out and learn a little bit more about our technology and our solutions there as well. It is just that easy, and I bet we'll drop the links in the chat as well. So you want to click away from connecting with Jim and Pivotry. We certainly encourage you to do that. Uh, Chad, Chad Hooker with Fluent Commerce. How can folks connect with you? Yeah, similar mechanism. Definitely LinkedIn. Spend a lot of time there these days, it seems. And then Chad Hooker at FluentCommerce.com. And definitely FluentCommerce.com is, you know, our, obviously our, our website. I've got a lot of great content. Our marketing team matches it. They put a, a lot of good thought leadership out there. So definitely help get out there and check it out. Love that. We've dropped those links in the chat. Y'all, y'all connect with Jim and Chad. And I think we've got an upcoming event where folks, you can learn a lot more. And you know what? It even features the appearance, Keith, who made an appearance earlier today. So we've got Monica with Psycho Bunny, Keith from Pivotry, and John from Fluent Commerce joining us on October 11th at 12 noon. And we will have that link. We'll probably be dropping that link as well in the chat. Y'all come on and join us for another full conversation with folks that are making supply chain happen, not like they did in the 50s, but as they are doing in the maybe 2030s for future, right? Future stuff. All right, Greg, man, what a conversation. I really enjoyed you and Jim and Chad diving in, chopping this up. There's, I mean, ton of know-how, ton of doing yeah. things different, and a ton of passion for getting the outcomes that brands and companies are depending on to be brought to, especially to their customers. So big thanks to all of y'all folks for joining up, joining us here today. No, we couldn't get everybody's comments. We had a lot to get through, a lot of good stuff. So many, I got about 17 pages of notes, Greg. I don't know about you. Man, uh, we've added, added four pages since the... <laughs> since who's the counting pandemic, though? Right? Who's counting? And Are you writing bigger or is that just inflation? I don't know. But we also uncovered why I lost all that money in Vegas because it's not red 19, it's black 19. But we'll save that for another day. Uh, big thanks to Jim Brochu, General Manager of Supply Chain with Pivotry. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You bet. Until next time. And then Chad Hooker, 
Senior Vice President, Global Channel and Alliances with Fluent Commerce, also doing big things out there. Chad, a pleasure to have you here today. Absolutely. Thanks, fellas. All right, folks. Greg, always a pleasure to knock out this with you. Big thanks, Catherine, Amanda, all the folks behind the scenes to help make today's show happen. Most importantly, thanks to all of our audience, our global audience, the smartest audience in all of the world. Hey, do something. Challenge on you now. Jim, Chad, Greg dropped a lot of great knowledge and best practices out there. It's time to do something with it. Deeds, not words. On behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton, challenging you. Do good. Give forward. Be the change that is needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.